Welcome to the Ask About My Faith podcast, where our hope is to inspire everyday faith conversations. I'm Jess. And I'm Abby. Welcome to season two. Happy New Year. Today, we're sharing a conversation that we had with Lorenzo Dawson, who is based in Miami, Florida. Lorenzo is an unconventional follower of Jesus who expects major shifts in how the body of Christ interacts with the world. And the stories that he shares today definitely reflect that. When you see messy situations or potentially difficult people, do you see their need for Jesus and approach them or do you do the opposite? Well, Lorenzo is not afraid to move towards people in unusual situations like that. He talks about how God taught him to cross the chicken line each time he interacts with people and allows God to speak through him. I love the story of praying for a man struggling with homelessness who was offended moments earlier by other Christians. Lorenzo is authentic and full of love. We learned so much chatting with him. Let's jump in. Well, Lorenzo, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure to have you. Mm -hmm. Glad to be here. We're excited to have you share your stories. You have some really fun stories that I'm excited to hear as well. Um, Can you start by sharing with us about how you came to faith? Uh, I was, uh, I'd never heard the gospel all my years in New Jersey where I grew up. Uh, it was just some irrelevant thing. Catholics, Protestants, and Jews, they did this mm. thing called church. And I was like, it was irrelevant to me and boring to me because the people that I uh, hung with, they were all like, oh, this is terrible. So mm-hmm. um, I first heard the gospel at a Billy Graham crusade in New York City. Uh, we went to, to see that, and I was amazed because it was moving my heart. And I'm saying, well, normally I don't like mm. this stuff. Mm. <laughs> but <laughs> sure. he was basically emphasizing that God wanted a relationship with me, and that's what was hooking me. The, the rest of his message I couldn't get at all, but it was like, mm. whoa, you know, if this is true, then it's about relationship, and it's not about religion, then I might be interested. And my heart started pounding while he was saying that. Wow. And I, uh, I, uh, some friend invited me to sing in the choir for the Billy Graham crusade. And I was like, okay, you know, so there I am uh, watching myself on TV that same night <laughs> as they did the crusade. And I saw myself and I'm going, oh, there's the bass section, you know, <laughs> and, but I, it was bothering me so much. So I went to bed and I could not sleep. And it was like an hour and a half sitting on the side of my bed. And I, I just started saying, okay, okay. I, if you did that for me, then I don't know how to respond. I don't know what to do. But all I know is I have to do something because I can't do anything until I settle this. So I said, okay, if you did that for me, you've paid for all the wrongs I've done, and I feel guilty about all this stuff, then I want you to do whatever you do. <laughs> I said, Come, no. do, take over, do something. you know. And I I didn't even remember getting in bed. I just remember waking up the next morning and I felt like a big weight was lifted off my shoulders. Hmm. Yeah. What brought you to that Billy Graham crusade? Because it sounded like something you weren't interested in at all. Was it just the fact that he was a big name and people were talking about it? Uh, the fact that it was in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Well, I, I lived in go. Jersey. It was like, things are boring in Jersey. Let's go into the city. That was the only reason. <laughs> what do they got going on? Sweet. We'll do that. Wow. Yeah. And so do you feel like your life shifted pretty quick or did you fall kind of back into the same crowd and habits? 
I fell back uh, for seven years. Um, okay. My mother made the sim- a similar decision. My sister sort of, uh, but we didn't know how to help each other. Sure. And church was a disaster, you know, because it was mm. not it was not oriented around the scriptures. It was kind of like talked more uh. about Carl Jung, the psychologist. You know, it's like I couldn't get anything out of it. So um, mm. seven years later, <clears throat> I was in St. Petersburg, Florida, and then I ran into these strange teenage group uh, and they had this big semi truck. And so I went into their meeting and I'm going, I don't know what this is. It's too weird for me, but I felt <laughs> God again. And I said, Oh, this is that God thing. I got to I don't want to keep falling away. I, I really need him. So I went running out to the aisle when they said, you know, they gave an invitation and some guy hugged me and everything, but I, I didn't know what to do with it. <clears throat> but I was so excited that I was feeling the same thing. So then I went and talked to somebody. My first person I ever talked to about Jesus was this kid. who He's like four or five years younger than me. And he's like, I don't know what to do with this. And I said, oh, this is great. It's all about God loves you. And so I, I just was, <laughs> I poured out everything I had and, uh, oh, and wow. made sure I took him all the way home instead of to where he wanted to go. He just, no, no, I'm taking you all the way. <laughs> so that was pretty exciting. And and from then on, I was, I was stuck and I, I never gave up. I was, you know, okay. just grow, just growing, and I never went back to the old stuff. Okay, I love that. Well, and I love that it was the second tent meeting that really like captured your heart, and then you just <laughs> turned around and started sharing your faith right away. It was just like an outpouring of of God's love, too. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, about how how old were you at that second one? Yeah. Uh, the second one, I was twenty three. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. So kind of what would be kind of that right after college type of age yeah. for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was striking it out on my own and I was looking for something of stability. And that's when I ran into those people in the semi truck. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So then did you get connected with them kind of moving forward? No, I never did. Okay. I tried a local church in St. Petersburg and it, oh, sure. it went nowhere. Uh, it was too, what's too formal, but I didn't know anything. Sure. Uh, but then I kept talking to friends and relatives and they were saying, oh, this is real for me too. And so it, it kind of progressed from there. Mm, okay. Sure. I love that. No, were those, those family members, uh, were they people that you realized they had faith before yeah. and, and now it just meant something to you? Well, no, was, I guess my mom, uh, because she had already done the go forward at Billy Graham, but she realized that it was real. And so we just started to support each other. Sure. That's great. Mm, Man. I love that. So that was your earliest um, moment of sharing your faith. What about the most recent story of sharing your faith? Oh, gosh. (laughs) It it happens uh, all the time. Um, I guess the the most recent was Sunday. Uh, I was at Hollywood Beach and I was just hanging out with some friends and we we like hanging out there because there's uh, people that'll, that'll come to pause if you're going to play any music. And we just love to play, oh. play music. So we're, we're doing interesting music and then uh, people will come by and this completely crazed woman comes by. She's mm-hmm. maybe 22 or three and she's talking to herself. And I realized it was just a real strong demonization. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, okay, what do we do with this? So my friend David walks up and he says, you know, we could just go over and talk to her. And I said, yeah, we could. <laughs> so we did. We <laughs> talked to her for about a half an hour. 
and we got her to settle down just by the presence of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we kept asking her, you know, what, uh, who, who are you? Jesus wants to show you who you are. So I encouraged her to say, show me how you see me, Jesus. And she was mm-hmm. distracted a lot, but compared to the way she was in the beginning, you could tell she was mm-hmm. calming down. Yeah. And she wanted us to put her, our hands on her because we had prayed back the enemy and said, you can't interfere. So I figured that's from her own self. She wanted us to, she wanted physical touch. So we put her, she, I have a whopping headache. So we put her hands right here. <laughs> and then uh, she said, I, my legs are sore. They were all swollen. She had had some kind of injury. So we put yeah. our hands there. We commanded the swelling to go down. And I kind of sensed it went down a little bit, but not completely. And then uh, she just started to get calm. And then, the, amazingly, she looked us in the eye for the first time because she was just always mm. back and forth, back and forth, self-protective. She actually looked us in the eye, and I could feel the calm of the Lord touching her. And you could actually look into her soul and see the person who's underneath all the demonization. And she was like, help me, help me. I could see it in her eyes. Mm. She said, don't, don't listen to the outside me. I really do need help. And that's as far as we got because it was it was a little beyond us, but uh, but we did the best that we could with it. And I believe that I'm going to see her again. I told her we'll be here at three next Sunday. Uh, come by again, and so we'll hope for the best. Wow! So it was just you could just tell that she, the Lord, kind of highlighted her for whatever reason. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, because she was crazy. I mean, <laughs> that's a highlighter, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. She was talking to herself and yelling across across the. Allie at somebody else, and then yelling again, yelling again. And my friend said, oh, oh, don't go over there. She's not right. And I'm going, That's. I think that's exactly why I want to go over there. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And I love, that, I love that that's one of the first stories that you're sharing because so many of us, you know, those are kind of like what your friend was saying. Those are sometimes yeah. the people that we want to avoid. And mm-hmm. we say, nope, God's definitely not calling <laughs> me to talk to them. It's like, well, wait a minute. You're you are the very person who may need they may need to to interact with today, and uh, it sounds like wow, that was a powerful interaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not afraid of that kind of stuff because uh, yeah, you know I've I've taken people through deliverance several times, and sometimes when they're just completely confused, or maybe they've gotten something they've been holding on to for years, maybe a childhood trauma. So I'll do inner healing and, and deliverance, kind of continuous. Uh, and when someone has an uh, inner healing problem, they've also embraced a lie and they need to renounce the lie and find right. the enemy and his forces leaving. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I'm not afraid of that. I've done that many times. Do you run into a lot of people at the beach where you feel you can kind of start those conversations? Yeah, all the time. Uh, the beach is kind of a place where I really enjoy that because I'm only two miles away. And I, I just go over on my bicycle and then I'll just, I'm not like trying to be um, this evangelist or something. I'm not trying to do anything. I'm just me running on the beach and riding my bike. So I'm getting 10 miles of bike and I'm getting two miles running. So I'm not even thinking about stuff because I know I'm going to automatically run into people. And when I do, I get impressions over people. Um, sometimes I get nothing. I just get them highlighted like, oh, this is a cool person. I think I want to talk to them. So that's all I know. In fact, most often it goes that way. I don't have anything for them. I'm running. I'm just living my life. So when I see them and I feel like I should talk to them, 
then I, I'm not even begging God for an impression then, because I know he always comes through. And this is years I've been doing this. So I'll just start talking to them. I'll notice, oh, cool yellow shoes you got there. I like that. And, uh, you know, that hairstyle, it fits your face, you know, whatever, you know, anything I can <sighs> say to just make conversation. And then I'll tell them that I have an impression. <clears throat> I'll say, you know, I got an impression about you. And I still have nothing. But if they're highlighted, I figure I do. I'm going to have it. So uh, mm. previously I had asked God, okay, how can I say I have it if I don't have it? I'm lying. And he said, no, you have it. You just don't know what it is yet. <laughs> so then I realized, wow. oh, wow, this is cool. I like it like that. So in other <laughs> words, I have to cross the chicken line every time. Uh, and right. I knew he was going, uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's what I would do. I'd just tell him I have one. I'd say, yeah, it's, it's real cool. I can tell it to you in a sh very short time. It's, it's very positive. I get these all the time. So don't feel singled out. As soon as I qualify it like that, they go, okay, well, tell me, what is it? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and and I'll just continue. I'll just I'll just say. And as soon as I draw a breath to tell them, whatever picture or thought comes into my mind, that's it. And I just mm -hmm. give that. Wow. I love doing it that way because it's not dependent on me. I don't have to have the right preparation. Right. I don't have to be begging God for anything. I'm just completely chilled, and I'll mm -hmm. just draw a breath, and it's always there. And I've done it at least a hundred times. Oh my gosh. Can you share some of those examples? Do you have um, any stories? Yeah. Like, um, all right. There's this one basketball player. He was a beach attendant giving out towels and all this, hmm. but I could tell he was a misfit. And, he, and so I said, well, what are you really into? Oh, basketball. I want to do that all the time. So I said, so, you know, you're not going to have this job for much longer because you have other aspirations. And then I just got little impressions about about what his future is like, or maybe just something about him. So like a, either a word of knowledge or a word of prophecy. So I'll say, um, the impression I got is that you're not going to be in this job for long. You're going to, you're going to move into, uh, not necessarily a professional basketball stuff, but you're going to move into things that are just right for you. Cause you will ask God, what am I for? Who am I? Tell me more about me. And he, and he looked at me all wide eyed, like, hmm. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, so I said, are you going to do that? He goes, yeah. I said, did you just do it? Like, did you just flash the prayer? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I said, well, you're going to get impressions. And when you get an impression and it feels like it's you, then you're going to say, oh, is that you God? According to my, I mean, I just prayed, show me how you see me. And now I'm getting this thing. And this guy said that I would get an impression. Is that you? And so then I give them this word I've heard from the Lord. He mm. said, you can use this anytime you want. I trust you. In the beginning, I had to ask him permission. Then after a while, he said, no, do this whenever you want. So then I said, okay, if you have to ask, and he gave me this word for word. It was like an audible word, very, very word for word, very detailed. Okay. He said, wow. if you have to ask, it's me. So now I have permission to give that away because that's what he said to me that time mm -hmm. many years ago. So now I'll say to them, you're going to get impressions. It's going to feel like you. And when it does, I mean, not something stupid or something negative, but if something feels like, oh, that feels like me. Yeah. You're going to say, wow, um, is that you, God, answering my prayer? And when you say that, he's going to say to you, and I have full confidence in this. He's going to say, <laughs> if you have to ask, it's me. 
Mm-hmm. And I've done that probably 75 times. And and I get good results because I'll either run into them later and they said, yeah, I did pray that and I felt this or whatever it is. Sometimes I never see people again on that, but it feels good that I'm doing it anyway. That feels so easy. Um, yeah. You know, we, we are so good at overcomplicating things and that <laughs> that just feels so easy that if I imagine that I know nothing about what it means to be a Christian, to have faith, to know Jesus, to have the Holy Spirit, that doesn't feel intimidating at all. It feels so approachable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, that reminds me of my overall philosophy because, I mean, I've had people that have gone through, you know, evangelistic organizations, uh, YWAM and various ones where you go through discipleship training school. And then because they want you to be ready to speak at any time, and but what some people pick up, and I'm not putting down YWAM, I was just saying sometimes people pick up an urgency, like they can't even be themselves. They have to always be, mm. you know, give the gospel to them. You know, what is the gospel? It's mm-hmm. us. I mean, we're the carriers of it, and we're the believable part. You can repeat, Christ died for your sins till the cows come home, but it does not make people say, oh, that's it for me. 99% of the time, they need to look at you. And if you're Mm -hmm. credible, if you're authentic, that's what's going to make the difference. So I don't look at the gospel as a magic bullet, or I have to rush into Romans Road or some (laughs) other, the four (laughs) spiritual laws. I almost never use that stuff. Uh, I'm a part of a a high school outreach, and they always tell us, you got to get the gospel out there. And I'm going, hey, I am the gospel. You Mm -hmm. know, I'm a credible view of it. And as Mm -hmm. I talk to them, the whole nature of Jesus is going to come out. Yeah, But I don't have to do it in step one, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Oh, step two, did you know that that (laughs) sin requires a penalty of death? Then step three, Jesus paid it, and you better receive it. If I go through that mechanically, yeah. most people are going to go, uh, yeah, thanks a lot, yeah. and they're going to no, turn away because they don't yeah. want an outline. They want a credible person. Mm. So I feel the gospel comes out as I get talking to them, and they start yeah. realizing this guy is real. And as I'm real- realizing that, then they go, uh, they'll say, well, how, how can he talk like he does to you? And so then this is probably the most terse gospel form that I have, if if you're talking the gospel is the four steps, I just go right to the fact that, look, why wouldn't he talk to us? Mm -hmm. He's already Mm -hmm. paid for all the wrongs we've ever done. And I go, you know, the story of Jesus. And they go, yeah, yeah, I've always wondered about that. So why wouldn't he talk to us? He told me stuff about you because he loves you. Mm -hmm. So I had these things popping into my mind. It's normal for me because I realize he's going to talk because there's no wall between us. Isn't right. that great? And they'll go, yeah, I never looked at it that way. They're crazy. So right. that's that's kind of a form of, of, of saying it. But at yeah. the same time, I'm in mid-conversation. I don't need to stop and go through four steps. Right, <laughs> right. Do you find yourself praying with people more or giving them words of knowledge, encouragement? What does your, yeah, what does that look like for you? Well, they're not, in, in Miami, they're not open to you praying with them. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been a part of groups and those of the group that actually says, can I pray for you? They get turned down a good 80% of the time, yeah. especially mm-hmm. if they're already moving. You know, if the people are moving, going yeah. somewhere, they'll go, oh, no, uh, uh, yeah, thanks a lot, but I'm busy. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. So can I pray for you does, doesn't work much of the time. If you're in um, 
a, a rural area or if you're in an area where we're known to be more Christian influenced, then they'll say, oh, yeah, oh, I could. I've got this problem with my job. They'll tell you a reason why you can pray for them. But sure. if you're in Miami, down, especially in actual Miami, not the suburbs, they are going to turn you down so much of the time because they're new age. They've taught that this is the way to see life. And don't talk to those hairball Christians, you know, because they're weird. So because they're thinking that way, I just use the impression. And the impression goes over well because New Agers want to hear your impressions. Right. Yes. It works. So I don't offer prayer. I just say, hey, you know, I got this impression about you and it's really good. Now, once I qualify it, so their fear is taken away, now they're too curious not to hear it. Right. Mm -hmm. So I do that most often. After we get a rapport going and then an issue comes up that like they're feeling out of sorts and they need prayer, then they may say, Mm -hmm. well, gosh, I'd love it if you would pray for me. Or I might feel feel kind of permission from the Lord to say, go ahead and offer prayer. Yeah. But I don't, I don't use, I don't, I know it sounds terrible. I don't use the word Jesus. I don't use the word prayer. Not when I first meet them, not in Miami. I may do it somewhere else, but not here. So I will use um, the impression. I'll use compliments. And then when they are curious, then I can shift into more. But Mm. but I'm not going to use that up front. And then because they're not intimidated by the word God, if they know something spooky spiritual is happening here, like how would this guy know that fact about my life? Once they get to that, I'll say, well, you know, I mean, you know, maybe it's it's that God loves you. And I can go to that. If I look at their face, I I never Mm -hmm. pray looking down or pray with my eyes closed. Mm -hmm. I always look right in their eyes. I look at their face. Are they receiving me? I've had yeah. times where friends of mine were, will go to the beach and they will they will say, can, can we pray with you? And the guy, people, sometimes they'll look like they want it. Other times they look like they're tolerating it. But I'm watching their face. And I've had friends where they don't watch. They just bow their head and close their eyes. Yeah. And meanwhile, the people are going, oh, when is this thing going to end? Right. You know, they got that right. look. I'm looking at their yeah. face and I'm going, we are wasting our time here. If anything, mm. this is building up more resentment and they need sure. to stop this thing, you know, (laughs) whatever they're doing. But uh, sometimes it goes well, but most of the times it doesn't. So I don't use that up front. Now, if they start asking about it, then I can use Mm. those words, but I just can't use them up front, at least not with the crowd I'm with. It's so biblical too. And to hear you put that in context of Miami, uh, that's what Paul was saying to to mm-hmm. honor people where they are. And it's such a good way yeah. to break down some of those walls. So I appreciate hearing you say that because we haven't had that conversation on our on our podcast really yet. Oh. I want to add in, I am recalling um Rebecca Ribnick's interview. So yeah. she was someone that I had that that we had on um uh, quite a while back on our podcast. And mm-hmm. so for our listeners who are interested in in hearing someone else who shares a little bit about how to start these conversations in a way that meets them where they're at. Yeah. Specifically um, new agey. Yeah. 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 Rebecca Ribnick had a lot of really fun things to say about that. And so for our listeners, go back and check that out. And then um, Lorenzo, I think there's one more story that would be really fun to end part one of our conversation with. Mm-hmm. And um, that's the one about um, let's see the, the homeless man that I think there was a group that had gone and, um, asked if they could pray with him. And Mm -hmm. that was really off-putting to him. Can you share that story? Well, it it was because even though these are people that I know they're super nice, they would never do anything offensive, 
but he was seated on a park bench and his dog was underneath him at his feet, a pit bull for protection. Yeah. And, and the people that I knew walked right over and I mean, they went out to that park to evangelize. I mean, that's why I don't do that anymore because it sets me up with the wrong mindset. Mm. I just, I'm just being me. I can be at public supermarket. I can be at the beach. I can be wherever. I, I don't, I don't want to set myself up with this goal to do that. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen anyway. So what he did was he looked up at them and it was at this angle. You know, he's looking up because they're coming by. Can I pray for you? And they know he's homeless and he knows they know. Mm-hmm. So he's, sure. why shouldn't I, ju- why wouldn't I be the one praying for you was his response. Mm. Because he didn't like the posture, you know, come over and yeah. stand over me and right. tell me that I need by implication, I'm the one who needs prayer. I'm homeless. I've got this pit bull. Mm. You look like you really need some prayer. Well, that's wow. insulting to a lot of people, and it was to him. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so my friend went, okay. Uh, I mean, he was a nice guy. He's a super nice guy. I know him very well. And he just yeah. walked away. Okay, sorry. We didn't mean to be offensive. Walks away, and then I heard the Lord say, if you want to talk to him, it's going to cost you. And I knew it meant time. So I walked up to him and I said, uh, and I sat down at his feet next Mm. to the pit bull. And the pit bull, fortunately, liked me (laughs) right up front. (laughs) He's licking me. I'm going, okay, this pit bull is cool. And then uh, he says, yeah, he says, I I just had to get rid of those people. You know, they were, I mean, they actually said stuff that kind of was offensive. Why wouldn't I pray for them? Why do they have to pray for me? Just because I'm homeless? So I said, well, hey, what, um, do you always, are you always here at this park? And so he's telling me, tell mm-hmm. me his whole story. Well, as he went on with the story, it finally ended up at a time when he was living in Chicago. <clears throat> and he had a guy who hated him, met him in the laundry room at the basement of the apartment and picked up a ball bat. And out of the wow. corner of his eye, he could see him swinging the ball bat, <gasps> aiming for the top of my head, which could have wow. easily killed him. So he moved suddenly, and it caught him in the mastoid bone right behind your ear. And he said, I've been in pain f- for 20 years, day wow. and night. I can barely get any sleep. And so then after – no, that was near the end of his hour and a half of talking. I mean, wow. I said I said 10 words. He said 10,000. <laughs> he told me his whole story from Haiti, you know, the whole thing, how people hasn't accepted him. And he's an, mm-hmm. a professional artist, showed me his artwork. I raved about it because it was terrific. And then he says, okay, um, I got to, I got to, I got to ask, can you pray for me? Oh, wow. <laughs> mm. So after an hour and a half, he was ready. And he said he had a little bit of Christian background, but also a lot of syncretism in the island in Haiti, mm-hmm. where, where it was, you know, just tossed yeah. in a, a lot of belief systems, you know, voodoo and the rest of it. So he said, um, I, I want you to pray for me. So I said, okay. And then I saw a vision of Jesus holding his face like this. It was clear in my mind. And and then he said, I'd like to remove the trauma as if it never happened. Mm. Now that really set you up for something wonderful. Because when I hear him say <laughs> that, I know he's already going to do it. I don't have yeah, to work right. anything up. So mm-hmm. I said, would you mind if I put my hand on your, on your painful areas? Oh, please do. Now he's got total trust in me. And so I just said the exact same words I heard in the spirit. So remove the trauma as if it never happened. Mm. And in pain and inflammation, go. And, uh, and it's kind of funny because he said, wait, wait. He said, you wouldn't believe it. He mm. says, it's gone. 
it's just like it never happened. And I went, whoa, that's so exciting. <laughs> yeah. wow. So, but it, co- you know, it cost me an hour and a half of listening to crazy yeah. stories that didn't even make sense. But I'm, I'm interested in him as a person. Yeah. And that's what earned me the right to, to deliver him from that awful pain. And I know what it was a, all Jesus. You know, I didn't do anything but touch him. <laughs> yeah. What a different interaction. You yeah. know, you, um, you, you have that approach that it's, you know, here's the gospel. Can we pray for you? And, and there's nothing necessarily bad about that, except that, you know, it, it seems like a lot of the time it is probably going to be a little more effective when we get to know them, when it's yeah. about them and it's not about us sharing the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. It's about, it's about you and who you are and, you know, how, how God you know, has, has carried you so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that allows us to then kind of meet them where they're at. Thank you for listening to the Ask But My Faith podcast. We love your support in continuing to bring you encouraging and inspiring stories of sharing our faith. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you're listening. And you can learn more about us and donate at askaboutmyfaith.com. God bless you this week as you go out and share your faith.